Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. All right. Well, I'm not going to preach very long this morning. I know you've heard me say that before, haven't you? <laughs> I'm not going to preach very long this morning because we are going to share communion in just, uh, just a few minutes, we're going to share communion. And in fact, as we, when we share communion, Ben and a couple of his friends from River Valley Worship are going to be singing uh, this morning, so we're excited about that. But I do want to take this advantage on the first Sunday of Advent uh, to just say a few words to introduce a short series of messages from Matthew chapter 2 that I'm calling Seeking a Savior. Now, Luke's version of the Nativity um, his nativity story is used most often at Christmas to describe the events of how Jesus was born in Bethlehem to Mary and Joseph. It includes most of the details that we're familiar with and uh, also the details uh, which the world, if they acknowledge it at all or if, you know, if they even know anymore that it is a um, religious holiday, those are the details that they're most likely to recall about an inn in Bethlehem that was full, Mary and Joseph that had to go into a, a, um, a stall, baby that was born late in the manger, angels in the heaven, shepherds in the field. So most of those details come from uh, Luke's nativity story. However, Matthew adds some key elements to the record. In fact, in, in particular, uh, he mentions the wise men who came from the east, the Bible says, to find the child whose birth, whose birth they had been able to discern from a star that rose in the sky. They saw his star, and they discerned the birth of a Savior, Jesus Christ. In fact, let's just read it. just going to read two verses, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, God. I believe that, Lord, you have a, um, a very simple but a powerful word, God, for us this morning. And so I'm asking that, God, you would speak, Lord, in such a way that those that need to hear it, Lord, that they would hear it unmistakably, God. Speak to every heart, God, I pray, that, Lord, we might receive from you what it is that you desire to do. And, Father, prepare our hearts so that when we celebrate communion in just a few moments, that, God, our hearts will be in tune, focused uh, on the greatest gift that any of us have ever received or ever could receive, the gift that Paul calls indescribable, the wonderful gift of Jesus Christ. So bring us, Lord, to that place where we're ready to do that, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of details uh, about these wise men in the book of Matthew. Traditionally, we have said that there were three, uh, three wise men, but we know that that's only based on the number of gifts that they bring, that they bear and that they present to baby Jesus, the child. Uh, so um, traditionally we've said that it's three, but it, it may have been an entire company of uh, wise men, magi, uh, that came from the east. Nor do we know exactly where they came from. 
or how far they traveled to get there. The Bible uses the generic east. They came from the wise men from the east. However, that could refer to any number of places uh, in Arabia or Syria or Mesopotamia because the Bible used that generic description for all of those uh, different places. The best hypothesis that I have seen speculates that these Wise men, like I said, they're called magi in different versions, um, that these wise men are from Babylon and that they actually knew something about the messianic prophecies uh, from the Old Testament because in Babylon they had access to the writings of Daniel, the prophet Daniel. You might remember that Daniel was a young Jewish man that was exiled to Babylon, and while he was in Babylon, he became an important and an influential wise man, a member of the king's court there in Babylon during his time there. And if that's the case, that these wise men come from Babylon because they had access to the prophecies of Daniel, the Old Testament prophecies there, if that's the case, then these wise men traveled over 5,000 miles to find the one that they referred to as the king of the Jews. How many knows 5,000 miles is a long way to drive, right? Uh, it's a long way to drive if you're driving in your SUV. How many knows it's, it seems even longer if you're driving a, a camel, right? <laughs> It's a, long, it's a long way to go. In fact, a 5,000-mile journey, how many knows 5,000-mile journey is an expensive endeavor, and it's a considerable commitment, even by today's standards, right? I mean, that's a big journey. That's an expensive journey if you, to go 5,000 miles, even by today's standards. The cost and the time that would be required for that kind of trip during, um, during the first century would be exponentially more. I mean, it was an expensive trip. It was a huge commitment. If they came from Babylon, then it would have taken months for them to travel from, to travel from Babylon to Bethlehem. Months, if not years, for them to travel that far. It probably cost millions of dollars by today's standards, millions of dollars uh, for them to uh, mount such an expedition or such a journey. They had to purchase provisions. They had to buy camels and livestock. They had to provide whatever was going to be necessary to make the trip, whatever they needed along the way. They had to, they had to buy it. Um, this was an expensive and extensive journey. What I'm telling you this morning is this is not a let's hop in the car and go see some Christmas lights kind of drive, right? It wasn't like Sunday evening you say, let's just hop in the car and let's ride around and see, you know, some pretty Christmas lights. No, this was, a, this was an epic adventure. This was a trip of a lifetime, and it required a huge investment, Huge, a huge investment of time and money and energy, a huge investment. The wise men, now they may have been, again, we don't know much about them, they may have been an official delegation from a foreign government or a foreign crown. And so as such, their expenses might have been covered 
by the government. The government might have funded their journey to Bethlehem. They might have been sponsored by um, other wise men or a guild of astrologers or a guild of um, scientists or some other rich benefactor may have footed the bill for them to go to Bethlehem and see the one that was born king of the Jews. But there's no evidence of that. They don't greet um, Joseph and Mary in the name of some king or in some name of some foreign government or in the name of some other benefactor. So there's no evidence of that. It's more likely that they made this journey at their own expense. And they were willing to pay the expense. They were willing to make the commitment because they believed that they were going to find something in Bethlehem that was more valuable than anything else that they possessed. They determined that the expense of the trip, the investment that they were going to make, that it was going to be worth the investment and what they gave to make the trip. That they might have spent, they might have spent their whole life savings on this one trip. That's how epic uh, it was. They could have spent their whole life saying, why would anybody do that? I mean, why would anybody go and empty their bank account and say, you know, I'm going to take this trip, this 5,000-mile journey? Why would anybody do that? Why would anyone give everything to gain something that they didn't, that they didn't have? Well, it's actually Matthew that provides the, provides us with the answer because later in his gospel, later in the gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 13, in fact, Matthew records Jesus and Jesus says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and he covered up. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. Again, Jesus, this is still Jesus. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. In his nativity narrative, Matthew chooses to illustrate what he had learned as a disciple, and that is that Jesus is the treasure that is worth everything we have. Jesus is the one treasure that is worth everything that we've got. Is there, is there anyone here today that has also found that to be true? That Jesus is, can I, can I just get a witness from somebody this morning? If you know that Jesus is worth everything, just lift your hands to the Lord and let's just give him some praise this morning. Amen. Lord, we love you and we're thankful, God, that you loved us first. Lord, you are worth it all. You are the treasure, God, that we seek. You're more valuable, Lord, to us than anything that this world affords us, we thank, we're thankful for it. If you found that to be true, that Jesus is the treasure that is worth everything that you have, then can I tell you something this morning? You are wise. You're wise. You're smart. Because you realize what a lot of people never, never realize, that Jesus is worth it all.
that Jesus is worth everything. A wise person understands. Listen, a wise person understands that it is a great bargain to give everything I have to obtain everything that God has. Isn't that a bargain? Amen. If I give everything I have, then I can get everything God has for me. How many knows that's a bargain? Amen. To give everything for what God has for us. The truth is we're all, we're all merchants. We're all merchants. We're all searching for fine pearls every day. We're all searching for fine pearls. We're buying, we're selling, we're hustling, we're trading for stuff. To fill our life up with stuff. Possessions, people, perks, experiences, uh, activities. Things that we think are going to add value to our life. And make us feel joy and happiness and peace. We're all merchants. We're we're not all wise merchants <laughs> because a lot of us, we spend our life on things that don't bring joy and happiness and peace. Uh, we're busy filling our life up with those different kind of things, but um, many people rec- come to the place where they recognize that it doesn't bring the kind of contentment and the kind of joy and the kind of peace that they thought they would have. Mostly folks are disappointed because they don't really know what they're looking for. They're just out there searching, looking for something, collecting pearls, trying to find something of meaning and significance in their life. They just go through life collecting things, accumulating stuff, hoping that eventually they're going to find something that's going to bring them joy and something that's going to make them complete. They're seeking something. But listen, they're not seeking a Savior. They're not seeking a Savior. And that's the difference between a merchant and a wise merchant. A merchant is just out there collecting stuff, filling their life with things, hoping that it's going to make them happy. A wise merchant, Jesus says, is the one who discovers a pearl of great price. The one thing, the one person that can bring them joy and happiness and peace and purpose and contentment. And when they find that one pearl of great price, they go and sell everything and give it all away so that they can have the pearl of great price. You see, a wise man, a wise woman is, they're one who discovers that they're not seeking after all. They're not seeking a what anyway. A wise person is is a person who discovers that they're seeking after a who, not a what. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And how many knows what we all need is salvation? Because we're all sinners. We're all born as sinners. So what we need is salvation. That means who we need is a Savior. We need someone who will save us from our sins. And um, that's what Christmas is all about. That God loved us so much that he sent his son 
Jesus Christ. John Piper says this, if you don't think that you need a Savior, then you don't need Christmas. Can I tell you that that's, and I'm not going to preach on this. I'm just going to step over here because I'm not going to preach on this. But can I tell you that that's, that's what the world's antagonism about Christmas, that's what it's about. That they don't think they need a Savior. They're not looking for a Savior. And John Piper says, if you don't think you need a Savior, then you don't need Christmas. Because Christmas is about God sending a Savior that will save us from our sins. And so the whole purpose of Christmas is that we need a Savior. If you don't think you need a Savior, you don't need Christmas. Christmas will not have its intended effect until we desperately understand our need for a Savior. That we need someone to deliver us from our sins and to deliver us from ourselves. And thank God, God has sent us a Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen this morning? Somehow the wise men discerned this. Somehow they knew that. Maybe it was because they studied Old Testament prophecy, like I said, that Um, Daniel had left a repository in Babylon of Old Testament prophecy in his own writings about the coming Messiah. And maybe they poured over those things because Daniel was a legend. He was a historical person in Babylon. So they read his writings and they made the connections. And when they saw the star and they saw, heard the prophecies, they made the connection and they recognized this is it. God has sent his son, Jesus Christ. However, it happened The wise men discerned that, and when it was revealed to them that a Savior was born in Bethlehem, um, when it was revealed to them, they were willing to travel travel any distance, pay any price, because it was worth it to seek after the Savior that they need. So when they came to Bethlehem, or they came to Jerusalem, actually, in the passage that we read, It says, when they arrived in Jerusalem, they asked this question, where is he that is born king of the Jews? What we need is a savior, amen? But how many of you have ever asked that question before? I'll admit it. I've sometimes asked that question. Where, where is he? Where is God when I'm hurting? Where is God when I have a need in my life? Where is God? Because Right now, I can't feel him. I can't sense him. How many of have you, don't, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have ever asked that question? Where is, where is he? Maybe there's somebody here this morning that you're asking that question this morning. Where is God when I'm hurting? Doesn't God see? Doesn't God care what I'm going through? The answer is yes, he sees. Yes, he cares. He cares so much that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ to die on the cross for you. And he's here this morning. The presence of the Lord is here this morning. That's the wonderful thing about, about Christmas is that God did not wait for us to come to him. I mean, was that, that would have been impossible anyway. God didn't wait for us to come to him. He came to us. And because he came to us, he's here this morning, and and all that you have to do is call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's worth it. 
He's worth everything to any of you. If you give him your heart and you give him everything this morning, then he has more for you than you can even imagine. Amen. I'm going to ask Mike. Mike, would you come to the piano this morning? Guys, would you get ready to serve communion this morning? Our guys are going to get in place. We're about to celebrate communion. Now, listen to me this morning just in just a moment. These gentlemen are going to move out, and they're going to hand you a piece of bread, and they're going to hand you a cup, and I want you to just hold on to it for a few moments, okay? That bread and that cup, they represent the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. They are visible reminders of what God has done for us, that he did not spare his only son but that he willingly gave him up for us and that Jesus came to earth because what we need is a savior. What we need is somebody to save us from ourselves, save us from our sin. And those elements that you're going to hold in just one moment, just a moment, they are, they are the visible reminders of the presence of Almighty God. Now, there's some churches that believe that God is present in those elements. That's not what we believe. We don't believe God's present in those elements. But we believe that as we hold those elements and in a, in a moment when we receive those elements, that God is present with us. That God is here this morning in our midst. Amen. And that we can receive from Him this morning whatever it is that, that we have need of. So as the guys are moving into position and Ben and his uh, crew is going to come and they're going to minister while they're distributing these elements. And while Mike is playing right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning, first of all, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. And you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I don't know if I should receive communion or not because I'm not a Christian. I've never asked Jesus to come into my heart. Then look, let's take care of that right now, okay? Before they even hand out these elements, before we serve you this morning, before they sing. If you've not, if you've not called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to save you from your sins, you have an opportunity right here this morning because God is here. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor Tim, Today, I want to call on the name of the Lord. Just hold up for just one second, guys. We're going to pray this prayer, then you can begin to serve them. Today, you want to give yourself to Jesus Christ. Listen, it's worth it. He's the pearl of great price. He has everything that you'll ever need. If you want to give yourself to the Lord this morning so he'll give you everything that he has for you, slip up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I want to leave here this morning with the assurance in my heart that God has saved me from my sins because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. Would you slip up your hand right now? Every head bowed, every eye closed. And let's ask God to do a work this morning. Anybody at all, you lift your hand. You say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I want to give my life to Jesus Christ this morning. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us, how you have provided for us and met our needs. So God, as we receive in just a few moments this bread and this cup, Lord, make us mindful of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Be present here this morning to minister to us, we pray in Jesus' name.
Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play app store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.